Get ready for the greatest roast of all time. The Roast of Tom Brady. A Netflix live event happening May 5th. Hosted by Kevin Hart, the seven-time world champion gets his cleats held to the fire by famous friends and frenemies on an unforgettable night where everything is fair game. Tune in on May 5th at 5 p.m. Pacific time for The Roast of Tom Brady, live only on Netflix. Great form by you hitting play on this podcast. Now, check out Same Racer, the brand-new racing app for same-race multi-tips. Same Racer. Download from the App Store and Google Play. Powered by Bluebet. Gamble responsibly. Call 1-800-858-858. It's time to cast off on a new adventure. This is Real Adventures with Patrick Dangerfield and Aaron Hadgood. Good morning and welcome to Real Adventures from wherever you are listening right around the country. Patrick Dangerfield and Aaron Habgood joining you this morning for all things fishing, boating and the great outdoors. That is normally the script, but the script has been flipped this morning. John Boy, my father, joins me. Morning, Dad. Good morning, everybody. Morning, Pat. Now, uh, you've replaced Aaron, who's also on the line currently, will only be for a little bit. Redmond, good morning. Good morning, boys. Uh, thank you, John Boy, for the replacement. And there is only one man that I reckon that could do a job as good as me, and it is John Boy, I reckon. <laughs> now, are you spicy flu or just regular flu? Because no, regu- regular is reg- worse. Just regular. Like, I mean, you get COVID, you're not allowed to leave your house for seven days. But if you've got this flu, you're allowed to do whatever you want. It doesn't uh, hurt anyone except me because I'm currently – oh, it's absolutely nailed me again, Pat. I had it last week as we spoke, and then this week it – Come back and really kick me in the butt. So uh, anyway, uh, enough of me whinging, but it's uh, it's not a nice thing going around at the moment, and a lot of people are getting it. Now, Dad, I, I, I listen to what Aaron's saying, and I, I, I take in half of it, but I can't really digest it all simply because Aaron had the flu last week. So what does Aaron do when Aaron's sick? And for those of you that aren't aware, Aaron's had a heart transplant, so his immunity ain't great anyway. So you would yeah, think no. an imbecile that has a... A new heart in his chest when he gets something that's bad, like the flu, which is horrific, and he was bedridden for days last week. What would you do, Dad, if you were you know, stuck with this sort of horrendous flu? Well, I know what I would do, but I think that Aaron probably would go fishing well, instead. <laughs> but I might be wrong. Would you go down to Port Mac and chase barrels and catch three of them before 11am on a Monday? I don't think I'd do that, no. Aaron... Explain. Pat, 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 I had a heart transplant. I never said that I got a brain put in. <laughs> it's, uh, it's, uh, no, nah, I was actually feeling good to tell you the truth. End of last week, I come good. And then as we got to Port Mac that night, I said to Craig, my voice is going a bit funny. And then, sure enough, the morning I woke up, a little bit of a sore throat. He's like, you feel fine? I felt 100%. And then I got home Wednesday, or I got home Tuesday. And anyway, Wednesday, I woke up. I'm pretty sure a bus hit me on the way home. That's what it felt like. Well, it wasn't a bus. It was actually three barrel bluefin tuna. It was. So we have spoken at length over the past month to two months, really, on the show around how, at the moment, it is the best place in the country to fish for Southern Bluefin Tuna. You went there and you'd planned to film for a couple of days for Salt Guide, your business, and you... um, you pulled up stumps early because you'd caught three fish before 11am and that was it. You were done, mate. You know that thing they call a camera, Pat? Uh, 
That's the biggest jinx in the world. Yeah, they're normally like bananas. Yes. Whenever you take that, you never catch fish. And anyway, we went down there. I made Craig O come, and I went against every rule I had. I'm talking Monday, public holiday. I never fish a weekend or a public holiday. I'm talking five knot wind, no wind at all, glass calm, no swell. Everything that goes in my book basically scribbled it out. And the reason for that was Trago like fishing in calm condition and also the fact that the Tuesday was going to be a little bit blowier and we weren't going to have the weren't going to have the boat traffic. So we set our plan of two days of fishing, Monday being the calm day, hopefully get what we have to on film, like the rigging, the techniques and do the, the likes, where Tuesday was hopefully going to be the catch day. In the end, like you said, we managed to score three barrel bluefin tuna all before 11 o'clock and we were back having a palmy at the pub by 11.27, which I'm not complaining with. And then contributing nothing to the show later on in the week, Dad. That is a bit disappointing, Aaron. <laughs> oh, well, I'm here now. Now, <laughs> I'm what, what, were you, what were you doing that was different to a lot of other people that have been fishing down there? Because whilst there's been captures, it hasn't been as prolific as what it's been in, in other weeks, yet it was for you. So talk us it, through the, the, the tips and techniques that are going to help people you know, catch a fish of a lifetime. If you head out on a windy day, and I'm talking 15 plus knots, so 15, 20 knot winds, you get that northerly. People are going out in the southerly. It was horrible out there the day before we got there. And nearly every boat out there had three, four shots at a barrel bluefin tuna in the rough conditions. Now, if you go down there in the rough and you put lures out and you trawl around the light, I am that confident that you'll pretty much hook up. Or, or like nearly 100% confident that you'll hook up. That's how confident I am. But if you start to fish those calmer days, for example, what I had on the Monday and what we've got right now on the weekend as we speak, it's going to be harder to get fish. The fish go down. We also had the full moon, which goes against one of my rules as well. And not only that, calm weather and long weekend means boat traffic. So the boat traffic was going to be our issue as well, hence why we wanted to fish the Tuesday when the boats weren't going to be there. So how we attacked it regarding the boat side of things was catching bait and using them to our advantage. So actually catching yakets and finding the fish, marking them up where everyone was trawling around, not getting a bite, and actually just drifting our bait down underneath the boat, waiting for one of those fish to scream off. And every single time we marked up fish, and quite often they were next to a seal, the seal wasn't working bait, but it had fish holding underneath it because the seals were following them. We looked for the seals. We stopped on top. We used our electronics, being our sounder, put the baits in the water, and sure enough, we uh, managed to hook three fish, basically three from three, in all honesty, as in the way it worked. We only fished for, we were probably actually on the fishing side of things, probably for only in total, maybe five or ten minutes in total over the whole three fish that we hooked. Which is quite unheard of, Dad. That is amazing, I've got to say. Uh, Redmond, beautiful work. We'll let you go because we know you're, uh, well, you're wasting our time, to be honest, because you you couldn't be asked coming into the studio. So, Joe, Dad and I, will uh, we'll finish the rest of the show, mate. We'll, I, was, I was actually thinking of all the cat fans out there. It wasn't you personally. I was just thinking more of driving back into Geelong from the studio. They might actually come after me if I give Patrick Dangerfield the old flu. <laughs> I don't play anymore. It doesn't matter. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you, John Boy, for chopping me out this week. Pat, thanks for holding the fort, and I will be back next week with my full voice ready to go. Aaron Habgood, Salt Guide, of course, but our Real Adventures host. Now, Dad, we have a whip around where we love to go around the country, find out what's uh, what's biting, different notable captures, and we're going to kick into that 
right now. Thanks to Jayco Sydney, your next great escape. Let the adventures begin. We start off with New South Wales, some huge flathead uh, close to the metre mark coming out of port hacking this week, week, which isn't common, but it's great to see in the waterways with the big breeders coming in. The closest, the closest flathead that we ever caught was out of Byron Bay. It was, yeah. It was a really big female. Yeah. Unfortunately, yeah, we killed it. And no, don't don't <laughs> add that, bit, please. We it was, it. That, <laughs> well, you can't have it all. No. What's the What's the biggest flathead you've ever caught? Uh, nothing as big as you've caught. I've got to say that was a probably. 90 centimetres yours, whereas I've caught nothing like that. Yes. Well, the gummy sharks have turned up this week uh, and plenty of around that sort of 10 kilo mark as well throughout New South Wales. Some fresh baits are the key at the moment. Uh, Western Australia, the Montebellos are fishing really well. Coral trout on jigs. Um, and bait, when it comes to Spanish mackerel, um, has been quite fascinating. They're working really well on the deep divers. So the deeper diving lures, uh, nothing off the surface, but the Spanish mackerel are uh, you know, reacting really well to the deeper divers. Uh, John Boy, my ponga reservoir. Well, let's turn it on this week with some huge Murray cod and redfin. So freshwater fishing at this time of the year can be really successful. So you can't forget about that. No, and the good thing about fishing... Freshwater, and more particularly, obviously, it's inland, but you get away from those horrific southerlies certainly coming out th- you know, from the Bass Strait, so you sort of escape that. So there's been some great fish there. Uh, the Flora Peninsula, the elephant sharks have been consistent. Squid baits have been uh, the preferred models. Tasmania. Now, Aaron's done the report for us this morning and sent us through. Do you, do you know how to pronounce that? I've been there, but he spelt it wrong. <laughs> <laughs> you know that is so typical because a couple of weeks we had the we had the uh, the whip around. We're going through it, and I can't remember the place that I was that I was talking about. And he's uh, he's interjected. Guy, that's my faux pas. That's a spelling mistake. He's the worst speller of all time. He should not be doing the fishing report. I'm a bad speller, so I understand where he's coming well, from. Well, can you decipher where it is? Uh, Tribuna. It's not. Called that, I don't believe it's down. I think it's down the south of uh, Tassie, um, near Port Arthur, down that way. That's what I think it is, but I'm not sure that's valley. Well, anyway, the deeper water has produced some great, great tasting trumpeter. <laughs> Maybe he was looking for tr- <laughs> which is there with uh, which is one of the best fish going around. Um, we're just not sure whether that's the actual location that um, that Aaron's sent through. Once again, Helen, uh, St. Helens, the bluefin uh, are on fire, but it's still it has been hit and miss with a few. You've got to put the time in to actually go and chase these fish. And that generally means fishing throughout some poorer weather. Uh, heading to Queensland to finish this off, uh, the Taylor have been uh, terrific at the moment. Metal jigs working really well. Uh, Yapoon this week on the reefs have been sensational. Red Emperor uh, on the chew with most anglers finding some good uh, fish if they find the right structure. And that is the whip around. Thanks to Jayco Sydney helping you on your next great escape. You're listening to Real Adventures with Patrick Dangerfield and Aaron Hadgood. 
It's time for the Social Club. We take your questions from social media each and every week, whether it be Instagram or Facebook. Send us a direct message, or better yet, download our Real Adventures app. We posted during the week uh, our Q&A session with the great Paul Worsling from iFish, and our socials lit up. Good morning, Peter. Good morning, mate. How are you? Well, going well. Now, you know, sometimes when Aaron and I post a... A, uh, a question or, you know, try and invite a few people to, to join in the conversations. We struggle, but we put your name in it and the place lits up like a Christmas tree. So you've got the Midas touch, but you've joined us this morning. Real Brand Official have their end of financial year sale, 25% off all the gear on the website until the 30th of June. And you've got a giveaway for us this morning for your favourite question. So I get to pick the winner. Do I have a favourite question? You've got a winner. So... The winner is hoodie, a tee, and a hat, all thanks to Real Brand and their end of financial season sale is on now. Pick yourself up a bargain. Pete up, so I will start this off, and this is from Tracy. Paul, how did you get into iFish, and where did it all start? Wow. So I'll try and keep this as quick as I can for Tracy, but I started working at Kmart when I was 14, got moved to the fishing tackle section from the garden section. When I Then I moved across to cram and bait and tackle when I was 15, and I bought it when I was 22. And when I bought the shop, I just loved the idea of owning the best tackle shop in the world because I was young and full of excitement. And I thought the only way to do that really is to have an ambassador, someone who can spruik your role and tell the world how good you are. And I couldn't afford a Tiger Woods or a Patrick Dangerfield for that instance. <laughs> so I thought if I can get into the media a little bit and I can become someone that people look up to and people want to be like, so to speak, and, and they respect in the game, they'll want to come to my tackle store. So I started doing free radio. I started doing uh, fishing magazine articles. I started doing stuff in the local paper. And you're then doing, I realized you're doing one day, Channel 10. You're doing the fishing reports for Channel 10 for a bit? Yes, fishing, fishing reports on Channel 10 News. I was doing anything I could just to get my name out there a little bit. And there was no such thing as social media back then, so you just had to try these other avenues. And then I realized if I could do one episode of fishing television, that would be worth all the work I'd already done. So I started hounding Rex Hunt Fishing Adventures, and I sent facts after facts after facts, and eventually I got a gig, bang, caught some beautiful fish. After four years, that finished, and my producer, Michael, said to me, how about you try your own show? And I laugh because it's like as if I'm going to get my own fishing show. We put up iFish and the rest is history. And you actually already had iFish. That's been a part of you for a very long period of time because it wasn't exactly like it was, okay, yep, this is the name that will come up with. This has been something that you've had on your plates forever and a day. Yeah, I, I was going to uni about 1991 and I got a car and I wanted to put a personalised number plate on it. And I was only allowed to have six letters, of course, and uh, I just kept thinking of something. When I drive past people, I want them to know my identity. And after a hundred different takes, I come up with I fish. I thought, that's me. That's what I am. That's my soul. That's my body. And uh, the number plate was available. cost me $295. And uh, when we filmed the pilot for I fish, the cameraman got a shot of that number plate. And my producer said, that's going to be the name of the show. And I went, oh, okay. At the time, I didn't think it would work, but uh, what would I know? And today, I fish is, uh, it's been around longer than the iPad and and the iPod and all those things. So every time you see an eye today, for once, Patrick, I beat people to the mark. <laughs> What's changed from when you first started your show? Cheers, Tim Powell. Uh, that's a great question because it has changed so much. So in the old days, we had one camera and you had to do things three or four times sometimes because there was one big camera on the shoulder. We had a sound recordist who would, and we, he was hooked up to the camera and we had a producer and we had like, so there was a crew, a cast of thousands. Now, 
we've got down to a crew of just two and you've got your cameraman and you've got your producer who does sound as well because you just don't have room on boats and stuff. Yeah. And the biggest change has been the cameras and the angles. We can be rolling four GoPros, have the main camera, but the underwater camera, which sits on a pole and doesn't need 50 metres of cord and a car battery to make it work. I actually remember once, this is horrible, a tuna actually passed away from old age while we're trying to get the underwater camera rolling <laughs> and, and undo the cord. It, it actually happened. I was, I was at uh, Broom. It was a long-tailed tuna. And the boy said, yeah, we've got it. And I said, oh, the tuna's actually died. So that's changed. And then you put a drone up. Like, if we could get a helicopter shot for just two seconds, we'd be like, wow. And now you throw a drone up. So the best thing for me is you get a much better perspective now and you get a much better feel for what it's actually like to be there because of technology. It's the most flattening part, I think, of re-watching old movies or for us re-watching old fishing shows, whether it be Rex Hunt or I know um, you and I both love A River Somewhere, but when you re-watch them and it's nothing against the, the, the guys producing uh, at the time, but it's very different now. It's sort of like, oh, there's a fish on and all of a sudden it's on the back of the deck. <laughs> yeah, mate, exactly. And we pride ourselves, I think, of the last, let's say the last 500 fish I've caught, we've, we've got the bite on camera 499 times. Back in the early days of iFish, we'd get one out of 30 bites. We'd, oh, were you rolling? Did, did you actually get that? Yeah. Like, it's just now everyone is spoiled for choice. And I think it's hard to impress people because they've seen it all. So you've just got to keep lifting that next level. But we are so, so fortunate to be able to get the quality of, of, of gear we can get and so small now as well. Hi, Paul. Tegan here. Is fishing a job or a passion? P.S. I love Jet. Oh, that is very, very sweet. I love my boy too. He's a champion. Um, I think any time you get paid to do something, Patrick, it does become a job. And, and you obviously love football. It's your life. But the minute you get paid, there are certain things that are expected and you can't let people down and you have to follow certain rules and procedures. But for me, I am blessed because my job is still my passion. And when I'm not getting paid to go fishing, I still go fishing. I think that's the most important thing. And the day I don't want to go fishing for fun is the day you'll never see me on TV again. Because if you're not truly passionate about what you're doing and and if you're trying to potentially explore that passion with other people, then you just shouldn't be doing that job. So the answer is yes to job but I love it with every bone in my body and I will continue to do it because it just it still it still makes me not be able to sleep the night before and that's what it's all about. You're listening to Patrick Dangerfield and Paul Worsling. We're chatting with Paul Worsling thanks to Real Brand Official. Their end of financial season sale is on now, 25% off the whole range. We're answering questions, or Paul's answering questions, questions rather from you our wonderful listeners is going to pick uh, the best question the question he likes the most at the end of it they're going to take home uh, a real brand hoodie a real brand tea and a real brand hat now a couple more to go pw uh where is the best place that you have been whilst filming ifish peter Peter, this is this is the impossible question. It's like <laughs> you, you've got two children. Which is your favourite? Don't say that, Patrick. You're not allowed to have a favourite. Look, I think I'm gonna I'm gonna I, I'm gonna kick myself for saying this later because I'll think of a hundred other places. But I took my family and the Irish crew to Alaska 
And I did it because I'd been there with my family two years prior and I really wanted to share it with the world. And Australia is definitely the best place in the world, don't get me wrong. But for a kid who grew up in Cranbourne and (laughs) was the only person in his family who fished and no one would take him fishing and the closest I could get was reading a book in the library and wearing the pages out and just talking about it a lot because I couldn't actually go. To go to Alaska and be able to showcase that to the people I love in Australia, that was just mind-blowing. The bears, the moose, the salmon, the seeing millions of fish and logistically to take a film crew to Alaska, the cost involved, the, as I said, the, it's, that to me was something I'll never, ever, ever forget. And I'm immensely proud that I got to share that with my family, with my crew and with the people of Australia. I'll have a winner with that question, Pete. Uh, this one I don't mind because I dare say, and we won't have time for all of them, but your worst days fishing, filming, Paul, from Sean. Oh, oh Sean. One comes to mind because I told the story recently. So we flew to Fiji, and it's a late flight. So you leave at 11 p.m., you get to Fiji at like 7 in the morning because they're behind. We get in a, a bus, and we drive three or four hours in the bus to Suva. We then get on the boat, and by this time, it's lunchtime. So I haven't slept at all. You know what it's like after that international flight? You're tired, your eyes hurt. And then they, we sitting in the dock, and the plan was we leave the next day. So then all of a sudden, it's like 2 in the afternoon. They said, the weather, the weather looks okay. Let's go now. Let's go now. So we're all keen, but we're going to get hungry. So on the way out of the harbour, they said, oh, we'll give you some lunch. They gave me a bit of chicken. I've had a bite into this chicken and blood come out of it. Like I'm talking red blood that wasn't cooked properly. I swallow it because I hadn't noticed. And I start feeling really crook. And then we start hitting the swell and I'm really crook. So I feel myself starting to vomit. I'm in a 54 rib. I quickly run downstairs to the toilet and I just make it and I throw up in the toilet a hundred times from the raw chicken and seasickness. I then get up and realise that maybe something's going on at the other end of my body. I quickly turn around to look after that. I look into the mirror to try and wipe the vomit off my face. We hit a big swell and my head gets slammed into the mirror and I've got a blood nose (laughs) and then I need to do something else. And I remember looking in the mirror thinking to myself, Paul, you've got the greatest job in the world. How lucky are you? And that was definitely, (laughs) definitely a low light and there's been a few, but you know what? It takes the real tough times to make the real good times seem pretty damn good. <laughs> well, let's finish on a high then. Uh, the top three places that you've fished uh, in Australia, uh, thanks to Graham Archer. Good on you, Graham. Graham, I'm going to have to say, and don't don't dislike me for forgetting some, but Exmouth, Western Australia, I've been there ten times. It is just next level amazing. I'm going to say Airlie Beach, just because I've got some beautiful friends who live up there. Luke and Alira, they run Quest Angling Adventures, and I spent a week there with my boy recently. We just had the best father-son trip you could hope for, and the fishing is off tap, so many different options. And to sneak number three in, I'm going to actually bias and say my own backyard. Port Phillip. <laughs> yeah, from where I'm sitting right now, 10 kilometres away from here, I caught my first snapper ever when I was 15 years old. And that lit the dream for me. And it, it just, it, it just, I still remember my knees shaking. And then Western Port's 10 kilometers the other way. So I'll never forget where I come from and how I learned to fish. And I just, I spend lots of time here doing this in the family. And I absolutely love it, Pat. So they get a great big tick. But if you live in Queensland, you might not want to come to Port Phillip Bay on a holiday because you might be disappointed. But I still love it. Beautiful work. Now, I'm going to trim them down for you, Paul. We had Tim asking you about what's changed from when you first started uh, to what iFish is now. We have Sean with your worst days filming. That was pretty self-explanatory. And then we've got Graham with 
a nice one to finish the, your favourite places in Australia to fish. Uh, your Real Brand Hoodie giveaway prize winner. I'm going to go for the worst days fishing. You know why? Because it put a smile on my face that made me laugh. <laughs> and, uh, and so I, I, congrats, I congratulate that question on just being a little bit out there. And I, I don't get asked that quite often. A lot of people ask the same questions. That one's an absolute winner. Good on you, Sean. We'll get in, cut, in touch with you, mate, and uh, and we'll send that out to you. Uh, Paul Worsling, thanks for giving up your time this morning and talking about your experience through fishing uh, and life and answering a few questions from our Real Adventures fan base. Absolute pleasure, mate. Good to chat. Paul Worsling, host of iFish, and that is The Social Club, taking your questions each and every week from social media. All aboard for Dometic. Make your next adventure effortless with the Dometic Go Collection. Just pack, stack and go. It's time for All Aboard for Dometic. Go on your next adventure, Dometic.com. Current Coleman medal leader, Jeremy Cameron, joins me. Morning, Jez. Morning, Paddy. Thanks for having me on. Now, you've had a, uh, you've had a big few years. You've changed clubs, spent... Was it eight years in GWS? I think it was actually... I was up in Sydney for 10 years. How long? Nine. List- yeah, okay. Nine listed years, so... Then we, we sold the farm to get you down. <laughs> and then once you got down, you bought a farm. I did, yeah. It was... Well, the first year was a little bit interesting with COVID and stuff, and we were still playing in hubs, obviously, but, yeah, right at the end... We were still in the hub in Perth, and right at the end of the season, I... Happily, happily bought a farm. Um, got it across the line. Bit of a um, bit of a difference from living in Sydney, where I'm assuming you weren't on a, exactly an acreage where, where you were, to now living on a, a decent sized parcel of land. What's that balance been like to go from you know well, footy where it sort of encompasses everything to now? You get home and there's I'm assuming never ending jobs on a farm. Lots and lots of jobs, yes, certainly. Um, oh, it's 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 been a big difference. Um, you know, I sort of spoke about it when I when I did say I wanted to make the move, and it's a big part of sort of how I grew up. And you're right, you don't have too much of a backyard in Sydney. Um, I had <laughs> a bit different enough, to Dartmoor. A little bit different to Dartmoor. A few more people, um, but I was able to get out on the water, which was good for me up there. I, I think if there wasn't a river or an ocean, I'd struggle. Yeah. But, um, yeah, coming back down here, plenty, you know, 50 acres and so many jobs to do. Now it started raining, even more jobs have popped up. The driveway's gone to slush, <laughs> yeah. um, things like that. So it's been great, though. It's been great for my footy as well. Actually, that, that's, a, that's a great segue for us because if any uh, tractor dealerships are out there listening, Jez is in the market because you rented a – and we were very concerned at the footy club <laughs> because all of a sudden on your Instagram, it's lit up with a bobcat and we were thinking, good Lord, what's Dark going to do with – with a bobcat over a weekend, you pretty much flattened the 50 acres we, we, we thought. So you, you've done some work in it, but you are looking, surely looking for yeah. a tractor for the farm. I, I nice actually, Kubota. I actually am at the moment. I have been in the last couple of weeks, um, especially now it has got a bit damp outside. Um, you know, it's hard to get around in my in my Ford Ranger. So, yeah. I, so I, Kubota, I, I if you're listening... <laughs> Or, or bobcat or cat? Bobcat was really fun. So I had it for four days and um, I 
I had to, you know, trim a few trees and pile them up. So, um, <laughs> how do you trim a tree with a bobcat? Uh, well, you actually don't. You go around with the chainsaw first. It, I thought it, it might happened. have been through it. it <laughs> you could, you could, but there was a few fences in the way. I, um, it was actually that weekend that I hurt my ribs. I think it was round one. Oh, so <laughs> I'm thinking, oh no, like I'm I'm done here. I'm sore. I actually went to the hospital, got a checkup. I was all fine, but I was very, very sore. And I'm thinking, I wasn't thinking, am I going to play next week? I was thinking, I'm gonna, am I going to be able to drive this thing? <laughs> um, spent the next all three the important days stuff. In it. Spent the next three days in it and, and did my recovery that way. Um, but yeah, that was good fun. I'll have to get it back soon. It's a bit like our teammate, Ray Stanley, at the moment. If Reese isn't playing footy, he's tiling. He is. He's doing a lot of it. And, and it's sort of one of those things that you, you you sort of want to keep it off Instagram, but you don't. <laughs> In terms of like... Look the, what I've just done. Yeah, and then you, you're asking Reese why he's limping at training the next day and he's just spent eight hours tiling a wall. So, nah, he's having fun out there, isn't he? Now, you are renovating your place at the moment. Are you hands-on? What's your – do you like to get in there and do a bit yourself or are you leading, leaving that to the trades? I I was I had a good mate stay with me who's a plumber, so he did all my fitting off and plumbing stuff, but most of it I've done myself and most of it I have absolutely no idea how to do. So <laughs> my old man's very handy. He's hands-on. I watched him, um, you know, as I grew up at home, but – it's been interesting. I sort of said to Indy last night, she said, how's, how's the bathroom going? Because I've just started the bathroom now. Yeah. And I said, if I was actually a chippy or a plumber, it'd be finished by now. But I'm about <laughs> two weeks from finishing. So you can only do what you can do and what you know. But yeah, it's good fun. Do you find that, and I've always found this, like, yeah, there is a balance with not doing too much off field. But it's a great, it's a great balancer to have actually something else to take your mind off the pressure of, for you, you've been in phenomenal form, but if you thought about footy for your whole week, like would you play necessarily any any better, or would it go the other way and you'd play worse because you're overanalyzing everything? Yeah, it's 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 very interesting because early in my career, I you know when you first come into that environment, you want to know everything, you think about things a lot, you're thinking about the game three days before you get to it, so. Um, that's how I sort of started, but then over time you sort of get that balance and at the moment the balance is sort of, I don't think about football until game day really. Nige Nige Lapp gets into me a little bit about it because I don't really chase him up too much during the week um, for meetings and footage and that sort of thing, but for me it's... it's Which worked well this week because he's been out with COVID. Yeah, he's got COVID, so um, (laughs) I'm not happy he's got COVID, but couple of less meetings this week. Um, we'll see how we play this weekend. But, no, nah, it's good. It's good. I love having other things to do and um, it really does take my mind off it and coming into the game, I'm refreshed and ready to go. Now, I don't want this to be a shit-canning interview, but you're in the gun and so was Nathan Buckley a few weeks ago because he called BS on yourself, Tom Hawkins and Mitch Duncan when uh, you were asked post-game, you know, what was Scotty's... Uh, get together message about and you all answered the same thing around the lines of I'm not really sure I didn't listen a huge amount and most in the media were thinking no nah, this there's something in this he's really he's gone into great detail around the message post game and I I was on here with Aaron and we were speaking about it and he was asking me and I said that is totally genuine the boys all of them would not have listened to a thing I do remember it was against 
GWS, I think, in Canberra. <laughs> and I got asked, and I honestly had no idea. I still don't know. I didn't follow up and actually see Scotty afterwards to see what he said. But um, I did see that Bucks, I think, yeah, he spoke about it, saying, you know, there must have been something said in that meeting that they don't want out. But <laughs> we have, I have absolutely no idea what he said. And, you know, I, I can tune out, especially after a long game. I've just mentally fried myself for two hours. No one listens to uh, him. And that's what, like, Scotty... He'll always talk about, you know, we don't meet for a reason because none of you listen to me anyway. Yeah, quite <laughs> often says that, doesn't he? Yeah. Now, let's talk fishing. The yellowfin uh, hasn't been in the water a huge amount, but when you have been in, you've caught some cracking tuna at yep. different stages. We've been lucky down in the, in, the, in the south of Victoria this year. Yeah, I must admit there's a little bit of dust on it in the shed at the moment, but um, <laughs> I've been meaning to get it out, but the... You know, the winter weather's sort of hit us a little bit, but the fish, the fish are everywhere at the moment. They're down in Portland, Port Mac. They're they're right through here, and um, you know that beautiful run of sort of school size fish was awesome. I got out with my old man and caught quite a few of those, and um, that was great times. But yeah, the barrels are firing now, and I think there's a good mix of school fish as well still around, which is a little bit interesting for this time of year. But um, there's really no off off peak season now for tuna yeah which is pretty extraordinary yeah it was sort of summer um was the sort of school size fish and then winter was the bigger ones but yeah it's sort of just a nice blend now which is good they're always somewhere along the coast your off season typically has always involved outdoor and adventure in some capacity have you got anything lined up for this off season because you've spent time in far north queensland northern territory chasing all manner of different species What's in the pipeline this year, or is there anything in the pipeline this year? Well, it's funny when you talk to Indy. I talk to Indy about the off-season plans. <laughs> a beautiful and, partner. Yeah, yep. and um, seems to be a lot of overseas travel happening already <laughs> uh, that I haven't I haven't really ticked off on yet. But um, you know, the the gaps are getting smaller and smaller for fishing activity. But I I would like to. It's sort of in the making again to get back up to. Um, up to Darwin and, and shoot across and, and chase some barra again. It's sort of yep. I did it a couple of years ago and then COVID sort of put it put a halt to that. So um, I'd love to do that again for you know it's a week liverboard. Um, Is that one of the best fishing trips you've been on? Unbelievable, yeah. It's such a you know so remote. You see a few um, guys that are catching mud crabs and that's about it. Like yeah. You don't run into another boat. There's so many um, different species you can catch, but you you do target your barramundi. Most, and um, I haven't hit the magic metre mark. I think I went 94, 93 last year, so I watched a 118, 115, 111 and 108, I think, were the biggest. <laughs> so some beautiful fish, but none on the end of my line, so I'd love to tick that off this year. When planning a trip like that, like what goes into, like what are you looking for? Are you looking for reviews on, on these liverboard boats, or is it just word of mouth through, you know, this is, I went on this trip, mate, it was bloody unreal. Yeah, it's worth going on. Like, how have you gone about sort of your research to find the places to go and travel? Yeah, I have a couple of mates that um, do it, and and um, they'd been on one of these trips before. So yes, sort of through word of mouth, and um, yeah, I got invited to go along. And um, Benny, Benny up there, Benny Carroll, he runs the um, the charter, and he um, he's he's been unbelievable. He, he yeah. sort of knows the right times to go, and I think. A lot of the I don't know a lot about barramundi. We don't get too many down here, Pat. But no, we don't. Um, no, no. A lot of it's sort of tide dependent um, up there. So uh, with such big tides going in and out, you you want to hit the tides right. And 
he sort of nails that and we, we caught some great fish, so it was awesome fun. Do you miss the the ease in terms of the fishability of Sydney? Like obviously moving back to Victoria for you was, was, was family the next stage in in your life and, and things like that and you you've spoken about the balance of of life outside of footy. But quite clearly the the, the temperature, the climate and the ease of fishing in Sydney and the incredible waterways have got it, it's quite unique in a sense that you can play AFL footy yet have such access to incredible waterways. Yeah, yeah, it is incredible up there. The and and sort of as I've mentioned, it sort of helped me so much um, with my football and and what I did outside of that. But um, you know, the ramp was probably five hundred, six hundred meters from my house because there is so many waterways and little passages that there's a lot of ramps sort of staggered around Sydney because a lot of people do fish up there, so you could access the waterway pretty easily and I was straight out most times and you know the weather's fairly stable yeah, um, yeah. especially through winter up there you know it's a it's not exactly the five degrees that we yeah, get with the howling southerlies it's the it's the wind that does it for me I don't <laughs> mind the cold and and even today at training the the wind uh, the rain was fine with me it's just when it blows a gale it's sort of no good for anything so getting used to that but um you know I think the biggest Thing that's kept me off the water is probably the farm at the moment. Uh, there's so much to do, and 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 once again, Kubota, we are looking. You know, <laughs> is looking for a tractor, four in one bucket. Yeah, I actually, I actually rode one a few weeks ago. My brother-in-law, my sister, she's building a house, and they had a tractor there, and I was driving it. I ended up spending the week on like marketplace and you know yeah. Gumtree looking for tractors because yeah. they're just they're so much fun. They are, they are. They you don't see too many for sale on there because I've been doing the same thing. Pat. The second hand market. They're they're five grand less than something it's, that you can get for brand new. It's funny, it's like these days with the way your phone works as well, that's all that's popping up. So, your ads, uh, correct. <laughs> correct. The massage just before the, the tracked ads are coming up. So they're a lot bigger than what I sort of need, the ones that I've been looking at. But yeah, yeah. I, I think yeah. it's something that both Hawk and like, like Hawk is a part-time farmer, if anything. Like, it looks good for his social media account. Reese is claiming that he is a farmer. But both have large tractors. Like, they are big tractors. Yeah, they, they've got a little bit more land than me, so um, it might be needed. I don't know. It's, it's sort of... I haven't actually seen Hawks. Is it overkill, is it? 100%. <laughs> it's like the man... It, it's like he, he's trying to fool us into the fact that he's, he's farming 1,500 head of cattle. I think it's closer to 80... Eighty odd, yeah, yeah. He's um, he's got a few. He's well, he's an influence. Well, he's in it. Well, maybe one or two for yeah. the <laughs> for the for the socials. Yeah, they do look. It, it's a good time of year when they're carving for the socials, isn't it? They <laughs> pop up left, right, and center between him and Reese. So I've only got the two two steers on my place at the moment, so I need to get a couple more. And by the sounds of it, some new fencing as well. Yes, a um, couple of fences need fixing. Yeah, <laughs> I um. I'll keep him out of those paddocks, though, for the time being. But it might be a good spring job, that. Jez, uh, thanks for your time this morning. It's been a pleasure. Well, not a pleasure watching you because I'd rather be out there playing. But you, you're kicking snags out of your ass. That's been good fun to watch. And uh, hopefully a few fish at the end of the season as well. Thanks, mate. No worries. Thanks for having me on. You're listening to Real Adventures with Patrick Dangerfield and Aaron Hadgood. Welcome back to Real Adventures. Great chat with Jeremy Cameron, the in-form forward of the competition at the moment, the Coleman medal leader. He's an absolute star. I hope you enjoyed that one. Now, John Boy, you are replacing Aaron this morning. So instead of Red's tip, it is John Boy's tip. Take it away. 
Okay, I'm not the greatest fisherman of all time, but over the last couple of years, I've really focused on learning about two types of fish or fishing. Fly fishing was one, and then estuary perch, a famous native fish, has been the other one that I've worked hard to understand and work out ways of capturing them. So what I did is I focused on them and would fish for them a number of times a week to work out what lures I could use and where I could use them. And failed often. And failed for probably 40 years. So it, was, uh, <laughs> it took me a while. I was a slow learner. But you probably didn't put in the amount of effort that you have over the last few years to really understand what the fish are, feeding on what they react well to versus the now. True. And then I did use a lot of YouTube video to look at and then I got onto a couple of guys who captured them. And then I was persistent. So what I learned, and it's really only crystallised in my mind really in the last few weeks, is that you cannot fish a lure too slow for estuary perch. If you think you're going slow, slow it down again. A bit like barramundi. Very much. Yes, they are. And because they're a a predator that hides and waits for their prey to go past, they don't chase them. They're an ambush predator. And what I've a bit found, like you, <laughs> yes, an ambush sort of predator. Yeah. No ambush, I was thinking. Yeah. Uh, and and what I found is that where I fish for them, there's not a lot of structure, and so I've been looking around weed beds, and they love sitting in weed beds, and they can often be only a couple of feet off the shore. So what I've found is that I use hard bodies, and I don't cast out very far, and as I get to within a meter of the shore, I'll always stop them, give it a little twitch, bang, they will hit you. If they're there, they will hit you every time. And my success rate, I think at the moment I'm getting fish probably nine out of ten trips, which I was getting them none out of ten. So, so why the switch to slowing down your retrieval rate? Was it YouTube base? Was it those tips there or was it just trial and error? Um, it was a bit of both. I had heard that for Brim you really had to slow them down. And then I was so frustrated I just tried every technique. And I didn't realise I could catch fish so close to, sh- to shore and always off weed beds. If I found a weed bed, you've got a chance with an estuary perch if you know they're in the system. And slowing that speed down, it has been absolutely critical to my success at least. But this is on hard bodies. That's what I've really focused on. And with a pattern that's sort of yellow, red and black, that coloration has been really successful for me. Beautiful work, John Boy. That's John Boy's tip for this morning and our, our flying gaff. Uh, all thanks this week to, uh, to Fisheries WA. They were the ones that uh, have sort of secured the gaff this week as they've busted a 54-year-old uh, man found outside of, uh, outside, just outside of Perth. He's forfeited his boat, his fishing year. He's been issued with fines and penalties totaling more than 30 grand after pleading guilty to charges involving illegal sale of rock lobster using excessive pots and interfering with fishing gear that belonged to other people. So the gear that you can get for 30 grand is a fair amount, but this man is without a boat, he's without a gear, because he hasn't exactly stuck to the rules. Uh, In WA, if you do find someone with any sort of uh, this sort of mischievous type behaviour fish watch 1-800-815-507 he gets our flying gaff for this morning we hope you've enjoyed the show we'll see you next week Aaron is back hey dad thanks for your time this morning absolute pleasure Pat we'll see you next week 
It's Ty Power's Big Footy final sale. To kick things off, you can get the power to buy three and get one free on selected Toyo passenger car and SUV tyres. Ty Power's Big Footy final sale can't last. Visit typower.com.au now.